Hello everybody, I'm Dr. Richa Trivedi from zenonco.io and Love Heals Cancer. Today's session is about creating awareness around cancer. Let me first introduce you to zenonco.io and Love Heals Cancer. We guide cancer patients in their journey with cancer. We aim to improve the quality of life of cancer patients through an integrative oncology approach that includes both medical and complementary treatments. We provide end-to-end -end care to cancer patients and help in their counseling sessions, medical cannabis, anti-cancer diet, Ayurveda, pain and palliative care. For today's session, we are joined by Dr. Amit Kumar Bagdia. Let me uh, brief you about Dr. Bagdia first. Uh, so he has completed his MBBS from Maharashtra University of Health Sciences, Nashik. After that, he completed his MS in general surgery from the prestigious Ames, New Delhi with three years of medical uh, undergraduate teaching experience. He's among the leading optical surgeon in Akola and the nearby districts around Maharashtra. He practices at Bagdia Hospital as a consultant onco-surgeon. So thank you so much, sir, for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your, on your talk. Um, is there anything you would want to say before we begin with the Q&A session? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really uh, impressed by the uh, uh, all that you have integrated in your uh, profile for Zen Oncology. Zen -onco. I, I did not know about the scope of your services, so I'm really impressed by uh, your integrated approach to oncology, including uh, pain, palliative medicine, and uh, that's really a kind of integrated approach that needs to be taken care for our cancer patients. Because it's not just surgery or medicine or radiation, but uh, a patient, because when, whenever... Uh, we like in oncology, we always say uh, we don't have just cancer patients, we have families who support cancer. So it's really good to have that uh, integrated approach always. All right. Thank you so much for your kind words. Now, uh, today's session is mostly going to be based around head and neck cancers. So shall we begin, sir? Yeah, sure. All right, um, so let's first begin with what the common head and neck cancers are. Uh, head and neck cancers are amongst the commonest malignancies in India. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's very important uh, that people around, especially in India, are aware about uh, common head and neck malignancies. Uh, the most common malignancies that we see in India are those in the oral cavity or buccal cavity, as we say. Uh, oral cavity lesions, uh, then followed by other uh, lesions in head neck like uh, cancer of the throat or larynx or a voice box as it is commonly called, called, called as. Then laryngopharyngeal cancers, nasal, nasal paranasal sinuses, uh, nasopharyngeal cancers, so, uh, salivary gland cancers, even uh, cancers of the skin around uh, skin and head necks around head and neck. So those are all the malignancies that we commonly encounter in head and neck area. But by and far most common uh, and uh, usually what we understand from head neck malignancies are most commonly the cancers of oral cavity and uh, throat. Right. Um, so, sir, what are some early signs and symptoms of head and neck cancers to watch out for? So, the signs of head and neck cancers are not, it's a uh, head and neck cancer is not one disease, like I always say. It's, it's uh, every area, every subsite, it's uh, specific to the subsite that uh, the cancer begins with. So if let's say the cancer is beginning in mouth or the oral cavity, the patient might have an obviously visible lesion, lesion or ulcer or a fungating growth, or patient will have some discoloration or inside the mucosa of mouth. 
so patient should be aware and should be watchful for any of those changes if the lesion is uh, uh, is a tumor that has developed in uh, larynx or the voice box or uh, somewhere in laryngopharynx or uh, base of tongue area or pharyngeal area so the cancer of that area will cause a spectrum of symptoms which will be slightly different than this they'll have a change in voice they might have a difficulty in swallowing they might even uh, the agony might even increase when they have they are unable to swallow their own saliva uh, because of uh, dysphagia they might even have a, a breathing difficulty uh, or patients who have nasal uh, nasopharyngeal or nasal or paranasal sinus cancers will have a different spectrum of presentation like they'll have uh, headache diplopia watering of eyes uh, epistaxis that is nasal bleed uh, so yeah it's a really uh, uh, conglomerate relation of different diseases which will have different presentation for uh, specific to each subsite all right uh, and uh, what are the major risk factors that can lead to uh, head and neck cancer the single most common and uh, most uh, important risk factor that we need to be aware of is smoking or uh, tobacco use in general not just smoking even chewed tobacco uh any form of tobacco consumption uh tobacco consumption leads to cancer in more than one ways and uh, is common is a common uh, etiologic factor in many cancers not just head and neck cancers like cancers of the bladder or cancer of the lung or many other cancers where the prime etiologic agent is tobacco uh so it's important to know that tobacco is not just one compound or one chemical it's a rather a uh, it's it's where a lot of chemicals are acting together uh, on the body of a tobacco consumer so it's uh, people usually attribute the all the side effects of uh, smoking to nicotine which is uh, which is wrong which is actually wrong because nicotine is just the substance that keeps you coming back to tobacco like if you are, if there is a smoker who smokes again and again and again and is difficult finds it difficult to quit that is because of nicotine but uh, but it's not uh, the harmful effects of tobacco per se are not due to nicotine uh, like there is a common uh, aphorism common saying that says keep patient, uh, the patient go keeps coming back for nicotine but it's the tar that kill, kills him so uh, the addictive component is nicotine but the harmful component is tar which has a lot of uh, which is a mixture of a lot of uh, carcinogens so it's not uh, just one thing that is killing the patient so patient needs to need to be aware of uh, this because it is important in quitting uh, strategies maybe which we can discuss later yeah uh, right so like you spoke about tobacco habits i mean how do you motivate your patients to give up on tobacco once you know they get detected with cancer well <laughs> once they are detected with cancer it's quite easy to uh, uh, ask them to let go of tobacco because they are quite motivated by the time they are detected with cancer they are usually always saying ki doctor maine bd chhod di hai like once they know ki cancer hua hai wo chhod dete hain so that's not a problem but the problem is uh, asking people to let go of tobacco before the cancer develops and unfortunately and surprisingly the most common age at which uh, people pick up tobacco habit is in middle school or high school so that's really the place we need to target and ask people to uh, uh, quit tobacco like quitting tobacco after detection of cancer is not uh, going to help in their cancer prognosis although it will help cancer treatment because uh, uh, a lot of reasons uh, uh, that we can discuss later but really of prime importance is to detect uh, smokers and tobacco abusers early on like 
right uh, in the ages when they are starting to pick it, pick up the habits and ask them to kick the habit right at that stage so that they do not develop into cancer right um and uh, what are the common screening tests that we have when it comes to head and neck cancers so uh, luckily most of the cancers of head and neck or especially of cancers of uh, oral cavity and buccal cavity would give us uh, quite some quite a warning warning period in which we can detect cancer in the earlier stages because it is one of the accessible and visible parts of our body so the patient can notice early symptoms like a lesion or an ulcer or a growth inside the uh, oral cavity which is uh, persistent for some time and it's not healing to normal or the conventional lines of treatment or has been growing in size or it's not necessarily painful that is an important point to note for the patients that it's not necessary that your cancer lesions will be painful so do not wait for pain to uh, evolve in those lesions but uh, pick them early look for the early signs like a growth or bleeding or difficulty in swallowing or a change of voice or uh, maybe difficulty in breathing uh, bleeding like i always also said so uh, or a, uh, early changes like a patch or a discoloration of the mucosa commonly what we see in our uh, in our setting is a whitish plaque uh, plaque plaque like lesion or leukoplakia as it is called as uh, even some reddish plaques so those are the early signs that need to be looked for and screening is primarily either the patient if they are uh, aware and they are uh, checking on themselves quite frequently uh, then they can detect those lesions early or whenever they perform their routine visits to a dentist or some other healthcare provider those are the times when they can uh, they can be uh, they can be screened for uh, any lesions and if any such lesions are found then appropriate steps must be uh, remedied as soon as they can be uh, all right and uh, how vigorously do these uh, head and neck cancers undergo metastasis uh, so for that we need to be uh, delving slightly deeper into the biology of cancer mm -hmm. uh, i'll at the cost of repeating myself again i'll say that cancer is not one disease so even if there is a let's say a patient who has a, a squamous cell carcinoma of the oral cavity how quickly that will metastasize depends on a lot of other factors like uh, uh, one amongst them is the grade of grade of cancer or the differentiation so every cancer is different like poorly differentiated cancers are more likely to metastasize faster than the slow growing or the well differentiated ones Patient, many patients will come that uh, they have a certain lesion in their mouth since let's say 6 months but uh, it it has not grown which is which happens frequently and then they'll say ki but since last 7 days it uh, or last like 2 weeks or so they find uh, the lesion is evolving either it is uh, growing in size or becoming painful which was not for the past 6 months or maybe it it has uh, changed its uh, color or consistency or nature so uh, the speed is variable and uh, speed is not a definite indicator of uh, malignancy or uh, evolution of lesion is not a definite indicator of malignancy because it might be slow to start and then maybe suddenly when the uh, it acquires sufficient mutations the rate of uh, changes or evolution can increase right okay and uh, how important is it to know like the stage of your cancer Oh, okay so again here i have an unpopular opinion mm -hmm. uh, what i think is that patients are not, patients do not really need to know about the stage of their cancer it's the, it's good for the and the physician the oncologist the onco surgeon should be aware of it but i do not think patients need to be aware of the stage because again stage is just a number and uh, 
स्टेज इट्स अ कॉमन मिसकंसेप्शन दैट एक बार स्टेज पता चल गई तो दे नो हाउ लॉन्ग दे आर गोइंग टू लिव बट इट्स नॉट सो स्टेज इज नॉट जस्ट द ओनली फैक्टर दैट इज गोइंग टू गिव देम एन आईडिया अबाउट हाउ लॉन्ग दे सरवाइव वंस यू टेल देम द स्टेज दे फ्रीक्वेंटली गेट इनटू द कॉम्पिटिटिव मोड दे आर लाइक ओके सो माय रिलेटिव हु लिव्स इन सच एंड सच प्लेस हैड सच एंड सच कैंसर एंड वाज डिटेक्टेड इन सच एंड सच स्टेज so now i know that because i am in the same stage i am going to live for these many days which is absolutely wrong idea uh, it's not the only determine uh, factor that determines your survival or your outcomes although it's an important factor also stage let's say stage 3 of cancer of breast is not the same as stage 3 of cancer of head neck or stage 3 of cancer of pancreas every cancer has a different biology so staging also needs to be assessed in that paradigm uh once the patient is given the stage they assign a number to their cancer and they have a certain notion that okay so i'm uh, the doctor has given me these many months to live that is not correct physician or the surgeon or the oncologist definitely uh, will work on the stage and give them stage appropriate treatment but patients uh, by and large should be aware of the disease their extent of disease the prognosis and therapy alternatives available to them but stage itself does not matter so much to a patient who is not uh, medically oriented rather it's uh, more of a uh, i would say they they get more confused and they get more uh, worried upset and uh, and misguided by stage so unless they are really uh, into medical literature where they can find in depth about their uh, therapy options and stage and management they should be given a broad overview of the disease and the therapy options and prognosis but stage itself is not for the patients to uh, go by i think i think that was a very different way of looking at the staging of cancer but uh, yeah. when it comes to treatment what are the treatment options that one has uh, for head and neck cancer okay so treatment uh, the by far the most curative option and uh, is the radical surgery for uh, head and neck in most of the head and neck cancers i'm speaking broadly of course again it's dependent on the site and subsite but broadly in most of the resectable head and neck cancers the best and the foremost option to give to the patient is a surgery radical resection along with uh, nodal dissection whatever basin is needed to clear depending on the stage so uh, in like cancers of the oral cavity predominantly what the first and most favored treatment is a radical resection reconstruction and nodal dissection as warranted in uh, treatments uh, in the cancers but this differs for uh, cancers according to the subsite like if uh, a patient has a uh, nasopharyngeal oropharyngeal laryngopharyngeal cancer uh, surgical resection is not the always the best choice to look for such patients might benefit better from uh, radiotherapy in many cases some patients who have uh, lymphoma let's say lymphoma of the head and neck might better better with chemotherapy uh, patients of uh, laryngeal cancers small cancers where uh, radiotherapy where uh, surgery is not the only choice or the only best choice can uh, undergo organ preservation approaches like uh, radiotherapy and uh, other uh, combined approaches where they can uh, retain their function as well as a good curative treatment so treatment also depends on the subsite the extent of disease and uh, uh, radical resection if possible but in most cases yeah if i if i am to give a single answer in most cases in most resectable cases surgery is the best choice to offer followed by adjuvant chemotherapy or radiation if dictated by the uh, histopathology and patient general condition 
Right. Uh, so, sir, like you spoke about surgeries, I mean, how are the everyday life functions affected after a patient undergoes surgery for a head and neck cancer, like in case there's a glossectomy which is performed? Yeah, okay. So, that's a really important question when it comes to head and neck cancers because, uh, you know, head and neck cancers alter the very identity of patient because most of the patients will identify themselves by uh, the way they speak or the way they look or the way they talk. So these very functions are affected by head and neck cancers. You know, what I mean is, ki, uh, let's say a patient has a lesion in the buccal cavity and fungating on the facial skin. So when they undergo surgery, we remove a part of uh, the facial, uh, facial characteristics and it changes with reconstruction. So they uh, frequently feel that the identity has changed. Sometimes, let's say like in uh, tongue cancer surgeries, we remove a part of tongue and uh, they, they think that their voice has changed. So they think the identity has changed. So that uh, head and neck cancers are uh, debilitating that way. They, they change a person's identity or at least a perceived identity, I should say. But with advances in reconstructive technique, advances in surgical technique, advances in radiotherapy delivery technique, we need not be worried as much as we would be earlier. Because with a lot of conservative surgical approaches and with a lot of good reconstructive and plastic surgery approaches, we are able to provide the patient a good reconstruction after surgery, a good rehabilitation. Even with the en enrolling uh, a lot of physiotherapists, occupational therapists, speech therapists, swallowing therapists. So we have a whole gamut of uh, uh, people working around with us to help the patients regain their original form and function. So even after mutilating or debilitating surgery in the head and neck area, Today, we frequently find patients who are retaining the identity, are able to speak as well as they could before surgery, are uh, have a good, uh, acceptable, functional and uh, aesthetic cosmetic outcome after surgery with good reconstruction and flap surgeries, uh, good plastic surgeries. They can even have their voice, uh, like even if in surgeries like laryngectomies, where we remove the voice box, they can have a prosthetic uh, larynx built into them. So uh, yeah, with all those, uh, reconstructive options and good surgical techniques and good RT radiotherapy delivery techniques. I think it has a bright promising future for uh, uh, people, people who are undergoing treatment for uh, head and neck cancers. They can expect a fairly good outcome with all of these. Right. Um, I think that was very well explained. Now, sir, since we know the impact which tobacco has when it comes to causing head and neck cancers, I mean, what steps can people follow to, you know, give up their tobacco habits? Okay, uh, so giving up tobacco is uh, not easy. I I'll uh, agree to that what most of my patients will say because I've heard every one of them, they who even people who really, really, really want to quit, find it hard. Uh, but it's not impossible. So uh, if you follow definite steps, so uh, there are a lot of commonly used approaches, but uh, I, I frequently recommend them a five-step plan. So first is that you come up with a plan. You tell me a date when you want to quit. So let's say in the next week, you just form a date when, okay, so this is the date when I stop tobacco. Uh, once you are done with your plan, then you need to enroll more and more people on board with you. So the more people you uh, tell about your commitment to leave tobacco, the more internally strong you are. Like you must enroll your family, your friends, your colleagues, office, people around you in the office, whom you meet, you just tell them that, okay, so I have decided to quit tobacco and I expect you to help me with it. So the more people you convey your uh, determination, the more gritty you are about leaving your tobacco habits. Third step is keep yourself busy because 
uh, I have found that people who keep themselves not occupied tend to gravitate more towards the cigarettes. So they just uh, kind of it's just kind of a matter of habit. They tend to gravitate towards the cigarette butts more and more and more. So keep yourself busy. Uh, would be busy. Would be better if you could uh, occupy yourself with uh, more uh, uh, activities like uh, let's say walking, jogging, or exercise because they also release uh, endorphins and feel good factors that will. partly compensate your need for uh, cigarette because most of the people give a reason that they feel stressed and hence they need a cigarette so that's another part of an important activity that you need to add fourth important thing that i suggest is avoid the triggers that lead you to smoking like there are a certain uh, there are certain places that uh, subconsciously uh, play with you that uh, and you start smoking because uh, there are a lot of places you frequently visit to smoke so if, if you go in those environments you are likely to uh, feel the craving again if you frequently hang out with people who smoke or your uh, close people or group of people who smoke so then you are more likely to uh, get back to the cigarettes if you see them smoking it's difficult to resist so i would say do not expend your will power don't challenge your will power a lot because cigarette smoking uh, quitting itself is a, a hard on you task so if you expend more and more will power it will be difficult so rather keep to groups which are uh, which are uh, uh, helpful with you to quit smoking who won't smoke around you keep away from places that you need to smoke uh, richa just a minute i think i'm low on battery can we pause the recording for a minute oh uh, sure definitely yeah so yeah and the fifth important point uh, after uh, once you have avoided all those triggers then the fifth most important point is uh, you need to reward yourself for what you have done every minute every hour every day that you keep yourself away from cigarettes deserves a reward for yourself once you do that that also subconsciously trains your mind to uh, you know keep doing more of what you have done so that's a uh, that's a reward uh, circuit in brain that gets activated so that uh, keeps you doing more of what you have done for feeling good so uh, every day that you have kept away from cigarette maybe you can reward yourself with a, a movie or a walk or a, a time off with friends or something like that just to keep you motivated so yeah that's a five step uh, that i frequently recommend to people then uh, there are people who uh, then there are two different schools of thought on uh, quitting tobacco like a lot of them will say that okay so this is the day this is the minute this is the time when i'll absolutely stop smoking since that moment forever so that's generally called as a cold turkey approach to cessation uh, uh, there are another, another group of people who say okay so I, i do not think i can stop cigarette at that given time or place or moment so what i'll do is i'll taper it off so like maybe five cigarettes on the day one and then four on day two and two by next week and zero by the third week so both of them are a valid approach but what i would suggest is that a lot of people do it without supervision and by the just like self help approach but research has shown that if you enroll yourself in a guided or a cessation program you'll likely to have better results so yeah if you can enroll yourself into one of them please do it those were very encouraging steps i'm sure i mean i hope people adapt these steps and uh, so before we conclude my last question for you is what are the everyday life functions i mean what are the alterations that people can make in their lifestyle uh, to you know prevent mm-hmm. cancer in in a way okay so uh, i'll take this question in a general approach like not limiting myself to just head and neck cancers mm-hmm. uh, most common uh, like these days we see that cancers are increasing it's almost we are amongst the uh, epidemic of cancer rather cancer itself is a raging pandemic that we are not seeing it through because uh, in last year itself the number of cancer cases 
has been uh, deaths due to cancers have been more than the in the like in the first year of covid pandemic the deaths of cancer were definitely a huge lot more than deaths due to covid itself but this cancer pandemic is going like getting swept right under under the carpet because uh, information or news or awareness about this does not get trp so the social media the uh, mainstream media newspaper print media tv media is all about ignoring all of them so it's most important that we keep ourselves updated about this through our own reading uh, cmes or uh, even uh, people uh, enroll in uh, awareness programs awareness activities most important is awareness about cancers and how to avoid and how to change your lifestyle frequent uh, most common lifestyle change, changes that will help you in uh, keeping yourself healthy and fit are uh, schedules like keeping a fixed time for exercise exercising routinely daily uh, keeping yourself into a good fit healthy diet regimen avoiding a lot of fried or uh, a lot of overcooked or stale uh, or unhealthy or junk food uh so it this is like a general measure to keep healthy is a general measure to avoid cancer uh keeping healthy eating good food exercising uh keeping yourself involved in uh, uh, active, productive activity avoiding sedentary lifestyle whenever possible even if you are in a into a sedentary job you can uh, take steps to keep yourself uh, uh active like maybe yoga pranayam walking jogging exercising gymming all of those healthy diet most important uh, try, uh avoiding uh, lifestyle triggers like obesity uh, with of course with good habit uh, habits like diet and exercises uh, not indulging in smoking absolutely avoiding all forms of tobacco is the most important step that you can do and that's the most important gift that you can give yourself uh, if you cannot absolutely get yourself out of tobacco at least limit your tobacco consumption limit your alcohol consumption uh yeah so those are the most important uh, lifestyle changes that you can make for yourself right so thank you so much sir this was a very informative session that we had today and once again i would like to thank you for taking time out and joining us for today's session thanks a lot thank you